0: Good morning. morning. I want to thank you all for coming out here on a Saturday. I know it's really hard for you and your supervisors and everybody to adjust schedules. So I really appreciate the turnout. It's great to have you all here. Um, For those who don't know me, my name is Liz. I work with the Division of Library Development and Services, which is the State Library Agency of Maryland. So we provide leadership and support to all the public libraries in the state. our guest speaker today is Justin Henke. He is coming to us from Chattanooga Public Library which is doing all sorts of amazing and innovative things. He also was a teen librarian at Portland, Maine. And without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to him because he is more interesting than I am.
1: Yeah. I just gesticulate and break phones. Hi everybody. It's This is a cool city. Like really awesome. Um, I've been traveling a lot this year and, like, like putting check marks next to the cities I could possibly live in. This definitely gets a check mark. So I, I, I deal with teenagers, 12 to 18-year-olds. Well, I did. And um, I know you want to hear about teenagers, but also uh, I can't seem to not bring and tweens and maybe some kids into this, so that's the title of my presentation. Because really, when you're working with the young ones, um, Starting to departmentalize them, like, you are 0 to 7, go there. You are 8 to 12, go there. Wait, you're 12? You want to be here? Ah, it's a headache. So what we're trying to do at the Chattanooga Public Library is bring everybody nicely together, see if it works. If it doesn't, we totally messed up. Oh, well. Um, So here we go. Oh, come on. My name is Justin. Uh, I want to tell you a little... I, th- I, this is like a conversation, so I like to t- tell you, I, I'm a am uh, 5'10", I weigh about 190 pounds, I live in the south, which is really interesting, I'm a New Englander, um, but the south is good, don't let people knock the south. Uh, we, we sit on our porch a lot and drink sweet tea, and it is very warm. Um, I like video games a lot, uh, I have Link from the Legend of Zelda tattooed on me, and, um, this was taken on the second floor. I found a projector. I asked to get an Apple TV, um, and I said I want to just start like streaming things because there's so much neat stuff on YouTube. So one like every Saturday um, we decide what are we going to put up. Doctor Who today? Sure, why not? So today this day was um, Super Mario Brothers speedruns. Is anybody familiar with speedruns? That's where you play video games super, super fast and try to do it, like, in five minutes. It's hard to do, but one of my teenagers actually snapped that shot of me, and he was like, Justin, that sort of sums up your personality. (laughs) Use this when you travel. So that's a photo by a 16-year-old kid named Zach. So what are teen librarians? I think about this a lot, like, we are... um, we're we're librarians, but we're not really librarians. Like, we're sort of artists. We're sort of um, these great community connector people. The best thing that I can describe us as is we are instigators. We like to poke things, make things different. We like to say, okay, you're doing it that way. That's wrong. Let's try it this way. But we're always thinking about our community in the back of our head. We're not trying to, like, overthrow the library. We're not trying to make everybody see, like, this is the way you do it and... We're the best. We are instigators of awesome. We try to do awesome things for our teens, tweens, kids, whatever. and We try to make our community a better place. This is my favorite example of instigating awesome. Oh. Anna Hartman, Council Bluffs Public Library, Iowa. I remember she sent me this email. She's like, you probably will never use this in your slide. It's a little risque and I'm like, let me tell you. I've, uh, I give kids knives on the second floor in Chattanooga and say, like, make something, whittle something. So her her program, this is, in my opinion, one of the most awesome programs I've ever seen. She said, okay, we're going to get some crappy Barbie dolls from the uh, thrift store or whatever, and we're going to turn them into zombies. We're going to apply paint, makeup, and all that stuff. But we'll also give the kids, like, micro blow torches so we can melt their faces to make them look zombie-esque. So this is what they did. And that's a pretty cool zombie Barbie. And I think that's a great example of instigating awesome. Not only are you building something and creating something very cool and unique, you're also telling teenagers and kids. I think that seems like a tween there to me. I, I, that's what I'm. That's the vibe I'm going on. You're, you're saying, "I trust you with this micro blow torch. Your parents might not trust you. We trust you here at the library. And like, that's a scare. It's a scary thing. I'm. I'm still a little bit scared of it too. Um, we just got hair curling irons on the second floor because we wanted to have some like makeup programs, and our like HR person like totally freaked out. Like he was like, oh, "We're gonna kill someone!" And I totally showed him this. I'm like, "No, we won't." Um, so where's I going with this? Let me think. Da 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 da, da. I, Instigating, yes. So the trust that the librarian Anna put in this kid's hand, I trust you with this blowtorch. I don't think that the tween teen knows like how that's going to just stay in her brain for the rest of her lives. This adult at a library who I barely know said, I trust you to do this. I trust you not to set your friend on fire. I'm an adult and I like you. And she's going to go through like her teenage years thinking like, wow, somebody believes in me that is not like my peer, that is someone outside of my family. That's huge. That's like one of the biggest jobs that we can do is make teenagers trust us and like us. This is Megan Emery on the right. She is the Batman to my Robin in Chattanooga. I stole her from Maine um, when I, I came from Maine to Chattanooga, and I said, "I need like a I need a best friend to work with." And they asked me, "Who do you want to work with?" And I said, "Megan Emery." So we made her a deal; she couldn't refuse, and she got married last week and finally moved all of her house down from Maine to Tennessee for her honeymoon. So she's she's I stole her. Um, this is another example of instigating awesome. The woman, uh, the, well, yeah, she's a woman. On the right, Allie. Her name is Allie Spruill. She's actually my neighbor, it turns out. It's a small town. Um, she used to come into the library and, you know, if you look at her, you could see she, she looks sort of shy, like, I'm gonna get my books and leave. Thank you very much, don't talk to me. Um, she was very much like that for a while. But slowly but surely, make some, crack some jokes with her, you get the vibe. Like, what do you like to do? What can we do to make this library better for you? She's like, I like knitting. She just like, I remember her whispering that to me. And I was like, perfect. Like, in a week, Megan's going to be here, and Megan's, like, going to bring a sewing machine, and she can knit with you. And I'm more of, like, the techie kind of guy. Megan is, like, I can make things out of, like, duct tape and spit kind of person. (laughs) So it's good to have that balance. So I remember... Okay, I was actually, I told Allie that Megan was coming in two weeks. The next week, Allie comes into the library and says, I made something for you guys. Um, And she was like, can I yarn bomb your library? And I was like, what? So she actually took one of our chairs and she yarn bombed it. She wrapped it around in like this, does everybody know what yarn bombing is? It's like taking a piece of furniture, sculpture, and just knitting around it so that it makes it look beautiful. Um, So she took one of our crappy old 1970s library furniture chairs. You probably have all those too. Um, And she made it beautiful. She made this very nice sort of knitted thing that says, hello librarians, exclamation point. And she said, this is for you. Do you think Megan will like me? I was like, Megan's gonna love you. So um, this was taken right after Megan got there. Megan started up a Saturday sewing program where she just says, I'm going to bring out the sewing machine every Saturday. I mean, no, Friday, sorry. And we're going to make stuff. Um, this week, I mean, this month we're making market bags because it's farmer's market season. You need a bag to put your veggies in. Uh, this one, Allie was like our test case. We're big on test cases in Chattanooga. Uh, we want to find somebody that we can like experiment on like a What do you like, teenager? Okay, you're going to be like our test case for like a month. Allie wanted to make a Hermione dress or gown or... I'm bad with books. I'm sorry. I know. Hermione is awesome. The black thing she wears that is... Robe. Yes! So um, Megan and Allie, for one whole day on a Friday, like I remember Allie laying on the floor on a big piece of butcher paper, they made the pattern, they made the thing, Allie went home happy. She's now running our sewing program every Friday. She comes in from 2 to 5. Any teenager that comes in that wants to learn how to sew or knit, Allie can teach them. And Megan's there as a backup. So now, Allie's like this vital part of the library. She's like our, she's like a, she's a leader. And, um, she's really gravitated toward the sewing. That's really her thing. We've said, you don't need to branch out. Like, just do what you do well and keep coming back to us. And then I found out she's my neighbor, and then every Thursday at my house we sit on our porch. So her and her family comes over, and we sit on our porch every Thursday now, and like she's babysitting my kids, and like we're friends. It's kind of cool. I want to talk about video game programming. <laughs> Does everybody know who Mugatu is? Yeah, if you haven't seen Zoolander, it's a pretty good movie. So I came into libraries in 2008, and um, I went to a crappy, crappy library school, name withheld. Um, And it was very much like, I remember my cataloging class, they gave me like graph paper, and I had to catalog on graph paper. I was like, can't we do this on computers? Because I wanted to be a cataloger, because in my head I was like, I can sit and not be bothered by anybody, and I can listen to music and podcasts, it's great. I was wrong, Uh, very wrong. Now I'm like the public center of all things teen at my library. So I brought in this idea, like, I want to have fun at work. Like, I don't want to go to work every day and be miserable. I love video games. How can I bring this into the library? Got my library to buy a Wii. We Started having weekly video game nights. Oh my god, it's so hot right now. It took off. Like We would have, like, 30 kids just to play a Wii. So then the next step is, like, Xbox 360, PlayStation 3. Let's keep getting these things. Let's keep growing. We did. We had about 50 kids every Friday for two hours in the library playing video games. It sort of became that, like, 1980s arcade mentality. Does anybody remember arcades in the 80s? They were awesome. I love them. I'll talk about them more, a lot, actually, today. So I wanted to build this thing where, like, you could just come in and experience the games, experience each other, but in a safe environment. So that's why this is important. Um, Video games sort of that this very foreign thing to libraries, I remember getting a lot of like, you can't do that, you cannot do that. But like, the more that people did video games, the more it became accepted. And video games were sort of like the freak idea that nobody wanted to to talk about in libraries. But eventually, people saw the power of video games and said, you know what? This is a bizarre idea, but this bizarre idea works. What other bizarre ideas can we do? And now like we're blowtorching Barbie dolls and have 3D printers and I don't know what else we do in libraries but we're getting even more bizarre and bizarre is good. So I think uh, video games were the gateway drug to awesomeness in libraries. So I remember um, going, being like a teen librarian, I was one of the, I was the first teen librarian in Portland, Maine and they, it was very much like you are the teen librarian. You are quirky and weird and you do your own thing and you were off on your own little island, but I always thought, like, you know, I'm like, I'm getting older. I'm going to be 34 in two weeks. Um, I know, so old. (laughs) But like, when I hit 30, I was like, okay, you know, like, things are slowing down a little bit. Like, my brain is not as fast. I have two kids. I just want to, like, chill on my porch a lot. So, like, what's the next step? I can't be this quirky dude librarian for the rest of my life. So I started thinking, okay, the next step could be like a director or a leader of some sorts, but there was always this thing like, children's and teen librarians, you don't do that. Like, you don't, you don't become a director. You don't become like a manager. You stay with you, like, your story time from like age 20 to 60. Like, you keep doing it, and you keep doing your teen programs. And I was like, pardon my language, I'll swear a lot. That's bullshit. Like, I was like, no, they're not going to put me in this corner of I'm the teen librarian for the rest of my life. I was lucky to do ALA Emerging Leaders in 2010, and that really made me go, like, I can be a leader if I want to. I just have to flip the switch in on my head. Like, I'm a leader. I can talk about things. I can share things. I can do great things. And then from there, I started thinking, like, wait. So, like, I'm this teen librarian and there's all these teen and kids librarians and nobody ever wants to deal with teens and kids. And the reason is because we're experts at what we do. We are amazing. Like, my director in Chattanooga said, listen, I hired you because I'm going to do my director thing and you're not going to bug me. You're going to do your kids and teens thing and you're not going to bug me. And we're just going to work separately and work together and it's all going to be good. You be awesome, be a leader. And I was like, wow, like, she's really valuing me as an expert. There's nobody else in the library like you. Uh, are there? Is this all directors? I'm, am I like, oh, I just had almost like a mini heart attack. No, we're all great. We all work together. Um, but what I want to tell kids, tween, and teen librarians is there's no one else like you in libraries. And keep being you. But keep being a leader. Keep fighting for your position. Keep fighting for your communities. Keep moving up the food chain. Because when we have people in management that have worked with kids and tweens and teens, I think they're some of the most, like, forward-thinking, thought-provoking people. Think of the change that we can make someday. We won't have to, like, scramble to buy, like, 10,000 googly eyes and make that case in front of our director. Because we need 10,000 googly eyes. I also want to talk about spaces, uh, teen spaces. Um, The first teen space I had, they gave me a quarter of this stage. And they said, here's two chairs and a table you're going to do great. (laughs) And I learned quickly, like, that seems to be the prevailing thought of what a teen space is. Give them chairs, give them tables, and everything is great. Chairs and tables are awesome. We have so many in Chattanooga. Um, Our previous administration were hoarders. I can say that, I think, without getting in trouble. So we have so many chairs and tables. So that's nice and all and good. But a chair and table doesn't make a teen space. What makes a teen space are the people in it. Here's one of our tables, it's a gym mat. That rug is like a 1970s like beaded red rug. Um, those wire chairs, they happen to be worth $500 a piece. I guess they're like collector's items? I don't know. It's, we found them in a closet. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not about the chairs and tables. It's about what these people can do in the libraries with the chairs and tables. This is on our fourth floor. Has anybody heard of our fourth floor in Chattanooga? It is 14,000 square feet of space. We have 3D printers, vinyl cutters. We just got a laser cutter. You can cut. It's a laser that cuts in wood. I don't know. But it, it scares me. <laughs> it's a laser that cuts in wood. Um, and it looks lasery, too. Um, so it's this big open maker space-ish idea. But also we have so much space that it's like, why should we just turn this into a makerspace? Why don't we take the makerspace, put it there, but weave it into everything we do? So there's community areas, there's co-working areas. Co-working is really big in Chattanooga. That's where you don't have an office, and you just find a space with Wi-Fi and you work there. I didn't know it had a name. Um, I guess it does. I guess people do it at Starbucks. But now they're doing it at the library. So this happens on our fourth floor. We had some Arduinos. Does everybody know what our Arduino is? best way I can describe it is a circuit board that you can make do neat things. That didn't sound right in English, but you get it. Um, So we do this every Thursday night. We say, tweens, teens, kids, and their parents, come here. Here's a bunch of Arduinos and computers. The goal is to make it make noise. This was the make noise night. So we had them working in teams to sort of figure out a program to turn on the sound sensors. And once they did that, they could, you know, make a tune out of the sound sensors. We had some people do twinkle, twinkle, little star. That was kind of neat. And so every week we just do a different Arduino project. Uh, The coolest one we did was we made weather balloons. Making a weather balloon is actually pretty simple, I found out. There's like code already made for an Arduino. You just got to download the code, make it work on your Arduino, hook it up to a balloon, send it up in the air, and you get all this data. And I don't know what to do with the data, but you know... You can see on your computer, it's 88 degrees, oh, it's 89 degrees, ooh. (laughs) I made that happen. And that's really empowering. Like, technology doesn't have to be super scary. It doesn't have to be this, like, I have this circuit board, what am I going to do with it? I have to build a supercomputer? No, you can make it sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. That's really cool. I remember I was in 7th and 8th grade, we had to take basic programming class that was like on the green max with the green screen and i remember i did a, a design of a motorbike riding across and jumping and then it landed and it took me like 2 years but it <laughs> felt really good and i still have my 5 and a quarter inch floppy disk that has it on there i need to get the drive run it so it's t- and I, I i just talked about arduino's technology is super cool technology is great toys are great it's so cool we just got spheros have you heard of those? They are robot balls. That sounded bad. Um, <laughs> they are little balls that have robots in them. And you take your iPhone, iPad, whatever device you use, you download the app, and then your uh, phone becomes a controller, and you can make the Sphero roam around the library. It's just sort of fun. Um, but you know, it's really not about the stuff you have. It's never been about the stuff you have. It's always been about people. What can people do with this stuff? Do people even want this stuff? Who has a 3D printer? Okay, wow. It, it's inter- I, I, I asked that because like when I first started talking, like nobody. And then like, every month it's more and more people. That's kind of cool. Whose community wants a 3D printer? Wow. Okay, wow. Whose community does not want a 3D printer? Interesting. I was just in Canada and like half their community did not want a 3D printer. So but the basic moral. Lesson of the story is get what your community wants for you. If you don't need the 3D printer, don't drop the $1,500 on it, because it's just going to sit there. It's going to be a mess. Um, we bought a vinyl cutter, a micro-vinyl cutter for the second floor, thinking we can make stickers with teenagers and then temporary tattoos, and it's going to be great. And the thing collects dust. Like, nobody wants to like play around with it. They're like, why do I need a sticker? Like, just leave me alone. Like, <laughs> Really. And that was one of the first things we bought, and we bought it on a whim because it looked cool. And we quickly realized we didn't listen to anybody, and we bought this thing, and it's taxpayer money, and oh, crap, we're horrible. I'm really touchy about that taxpayer money thing. I don't like to waste their money, but I did, sort of, on the final cutter. So now I listen to the kids and tweens and teens. Every three months, uh, we don't have a teen advisory board. We thought the teen advisory board was kind of boring. After a while, like... You know, it's the same like four to six kids and they're like, we want this, if you deviate from this we'll rebel and we hate you. And I was like, oh man, like I want to serve those kids really well but I don't want to give them the power. So we turned it into the teen focus group and we said, it is about you. You come to the teen focus group every three months, we will give you so much pizza you barf. And then we'll shut down the library and everybody will leave except for me and our coworkers." and we'll get to, like, have fun for two hours. So now we have a different group of kids come every three months and they tell us what's going on in their brains. It's different every month. Like, last time we did it, it was in April. We found that the 3D printer was cool but, you know, it's getting kind of old, Justin, you know, you've had it for six months. So we're, like, thinking what's the next step? Uh, We just bought a drone. Because um, it was the end of the fiscal year, and like you know, <laughs> our business manager was like, "You have this much money left," <laughs> and so I was like, "Can we buy a drone?" So we we have a drone. So I don't know what we're gonna do with the drone. It could be like, it could be a horrible mistake, but we'll see. I think kids will like having a drone. Um, it's controlled by an iPad again, and we're gonna send it up. The FCC limit is like 700 feet, so we're gonna send it up to there. We'll talk to them about the FCC bring the drone back down. That's a library program. So I work on the second floor of the Chattanooga Public Library. You've heard of the fourth floor, big, giant, open space. So I love this. I love the fourth floor. I was sort of like a fanboy before I got there. I was like, that's what I want to do in libraries. And then I got a call on the phone, and they're like, Justin, you should come work in Chattanooga. I was this close to going back to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my hometown, because I was like, my kids need to have their grandparents around. That's, that'll be neat. Um, But then Chattanooga called me on a Sunday. I talked to Director Corinne Corinne Hill on a Tuesday. I remember I was sitting out in my car 11 p.m. at night in the middle of winter in Maine. She's like, you're kind of a groovy dude. I think you'll work well here. Like, let's let's offer you this job. And I got offered the job Thursday, accepted Friday, and moved to Chattanooga. And I was like, oh, I can work with the fourth floor. I'm not going to be on the fourth floor. I don't even know what I'm going to get. They didn't promise me anything but freedom. So they gave me a whole second floor. And they said, you like this fourth floor idea so much, work with them and why don't you turn the second floor into a fourth floor for kids, tweens, and teens and their parents and caregivers. Make it work. That's our Twitter handle. I don't tweet as much from there because I just don't. I get busy like playing with video games and stuff. So this is what it looked like I got up there. Imagine a 14,000 square foot space in the middle is like open linoleum tile, whatever I broke my phone on kind of stuff. It was like the very nice welcoming area with tables that people would sit at and do research. And there was a big giant and desk where the librarian protected whatever they protect. And then, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It wasn't really valuable stuff, I'll get to that in a second, how unvaluable it was. And then there's two carpeted areas. This is. You see, like, this is taken from the beginning of the carpeted area to the window. Imagine two of those just filled with books that are really high that nobody can reach. I say this stuff was unvaluable because there's some books on those shelves that hadn't been checked out in like 40 years. Uh, Yeah, the previous administration was like, we don't weed, we keep one of everything. Like, we'll maybe get two James Patterson books, but then we're going to weed that one when it goes, like, nobody digs that one anymore. So we had all this space filled with crap and we had to get rid of it. So we did a massive weed. You know, if something hadn't checked out, and I think it was originally like three years, we got rid of it. And wow, that got rid of so much stuff. Um, after that, we were like, okay, we still need more space, two years, then one year. So our new core concept with like our collection is keep it you keep it unique, keep it uh, up to date, keep it fresh. Um, If somebody comes in and does want one of those books that was on the shelf for 40, 50 years, we don't have it anymore, we now set aside a part of our collection money and we say, this is the community fund. You go onto our website and you say, I want this book. This is why I want it. And if we can find it, we'll buy it again for you. We'll keep it in our collection for a year. If you're the only person that checks it out, we'll weed it after a year. We'll put it to our friends of the library book sale, then you can go buy it. Like for like... $2, (laughs) $2, <laughs> or whatever the friends of the library do. Man, friends of the library groups are really awesome, I'm starting to find out. They're like a great way to funnel money. Like, you funnel money through them, and then you buy all these neat things that the city won't let you buy. Awesome. It's like, it's like an episode of The Sopranos or something, like funneling money. But it's all good. We're all friends. No pun intended. I, 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 yeah, I love video games. Did I say that? Um, <laughs> so my wife... Uh, Stayed at home homeschooling mama. She's awesome, uh, but she also, her decompression time is, I go on Craigslist and I find neat things, and then after work I make you pick them up, Justin. Uh, so we have a cool house. She found this Miss Pac-Man machine. She said, Justin, I know we just moved to Tennessee, but I need you to go to Georgia. There's this dude, <laughs> there's this dude in Georgia who has a Miss Pac-Man machine for $125. She said, you can buy it for the home or you can buy it for your library this is your test. <laughs> so I went to my director and like, oh, miss Pac-Man machine, $125. And she's like, why in, the, why in the hell would you need that? And she was totally on board like the minute I said $125 Pac-machine, Pac-Man machine. So she, but she p- likes to poke me and challenge me. And here's my response to her. I want to create a library that's hands-on. There's so many libraries that like Want to tell kids, tweens, and teens, "Don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't do this." Blah 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 blah. Having a Miss Pac-Man machine right as you get off the stairs or elevator—that's like an invite to just start touching things and go wild and crazy. Plus, you know, we do video games in the library. We have all the neat, neatest, newest systems. But you know, there's history. Like you gotta, you gotta know where you came from, and Miss Pac-Man is sort of where you came from. I like to uh, take off the back to the Miss Pac-Man machine, open it up, and show everybody the chipset that runs Miss Pac-Man. It's about this tall, and all that it does is play Miss Pac-Man. And um, then I like to like pull out like my phone, which is broken, um, and I say this can do like ten billion times more than Miss Pac-Man can do, and it's all right, like probably right in here. Look how far technology has come in like thirty years. And they're like, "Wow, I'm only 10. and uh, it kind of it totally blows their mind. But now we have this Miss Pac-Man machine. Um, I tweeted about it and then the creator of Ms. Pac-Man, this is a side note, he like got in touch with me through email, he's like, I'm so pleased to see my creation in a library finally. I was like, dude, <laughs> like, you're Steve Golson, you created Miss Pac-Man, it was really cool. Um, so we chatted with him for a while and then he disappeared. I guess, you know, he's a crazy cool recluse dude who made Ms. Pac-Man and left. So yeah, we have this, it's free to play. Search Craigslist, um, and that's another Friends of the Library purchase. They were like, we will gladly give you a $125 check for Mythbackman. The city wouldn't. The city would not. They were like, eh, shady. shady. Um, and it was kind of shady. Like, I'd never been in Georgia. No knock in Georgia, but it's kind of a weird state. Um, I do love the South, though. This is another one of our stations. Hands on, you walk up to it. We give you a 27-inch iMac. This was another one of those last-minute end of the fiscal year. We've got $1,000 purchases. So I said, give me an iMac. So we have this iMac, and we say, kids, play with it. Do whatever you want with it. Uh, we got a record player donated through the Friends of the Library. Um, they're, they're so nice to, like, you tell them, like, I'm geeked out on these things, and all their donations that they think are freaky they give to you. So... um. They come up a lot of times now that we have a record player. They're like, "Hey Justin, have you ever heard of the Beatles, the Monkees? We got this record in a donation." I'm like, um, "I just got I just got um, a ZZ Top record. Oh man, I've been listening to ZZ Top a lot at work, like trying to explain to the kids like how awesome their beards are." Um, so we work with what we got. We got this awesome piece of technology, a thousand dollar Mac. That's great and all, but then we're taking this. Uh, record player that we found in, like, the Friends of the Library dumpster that barely worked that we just had to solder. Put back together some records we found in the Friends of the Library area. And uh, we turned it into a program where we're teaching kids about records. Like, don't really touch them a lot and don't scratch them. Unless you're, like, meaning to scratch them, that's awesome. But if you're just listening to them, here's the proper way to put the needle on. Here's how you listen to it. Here's what the different speeds mean. Here's how you can make it sound like Mickey Mouse and the chipmunks. They love that. And here's how you can sample. So we took these things that we found. We had them, like, find a little loop and say, okay, play that loop. I'll hit record. We'll sample it. Then we had them digitally edit it. They made some freaky, weird, Brian Eno-esque avant-garde music. But, hey, they, like, took something that was just playing out of a speaker, put it into a computer, made it sound like aliens, And they actually made something in an hour at the library. I was very impressed with them. I think it's very important to have fun in your libraries. I talk about fun and awesome things a lot because if you're going to work and you're miserable, everybody that comes into the library is going to be miserable. Me and Megan have so much fun at work when we actually get a chance to work together, we turn it into, we, we view it sort of as a party. Like we're putting on a party for the kids and tweens and teens. We want them to leave the library with something, whether it be a book, whether it be a 3D print, whether it be just a moment they had with Miss Pac-Man. This is uh, on the right. This is Megan's second day. Um, She threw herself into the 3D printer. She had never played played with one. She said, I'm going to learn this thing. I'm going to understand how to do this. And this was her test subject. He wanted to 3D print. I don't know what that is. It looks like a castle. They print the weirdest things, kids. They so do. But, um, so here's Megan and this kid who won't really talk to us a lot, working on a 3D print, figuring it out, uh, figuring out how to take off all the extra plastic and supports. And they're having fun and they're smiling. It also gives, us, gives you a view of what the second floor is like. You see how the walls aren't painted and there's messy tables. Um, embrace the messiness. Embrace the state of constant change. Uh, we're going for a renovation on the second floor. We've come up with a one point five million dollar project, which I guess is kind of cheap in library terms. I've seen renovations happen for like seven eight million dollars. Um We're nowhere near that amount of one point five. We're still raising money through local groups and the friends of the library. So we say to ourselves, like, what are we going to do in the meantime?" Um, are we going to just sit and do nothing until we get this 1.5 magic million dollar money thing? Or are we going to just embrace what we have? So we're taking what we have, messy walls, crappy tables, uh, a little bit of technology here and there, and we're doing something. So that then we're doing something, we're showing the community that like we're really invested in this second floor, please give us money. Um, and it's it's working, like we have an event coming up next Thursday where we have, does everybody know who Jeff Shara is? He's an author. I think he wrote a book called Gods and Generals. He's coming to our library. So all the adults are going to go upstairs and drink wine and listen to Jeff Shara and like cut checks I guess for the friends of the library while we take all the kids, tweens and teens on the second floor, we lock the doors and we, I don't want to call it babysitting, but we, we do parallel programming. So um, I'm really into that term right now, parallel programming. We're not watching your kids because we're not babysitters. We can't change diapers. We say, you got to poop and pee on the potty by yourself to get into this. Here's your wristband, you're good to go. You poop your pants, we're going to go get your mom and <laughs> dad. <laughs> That's what we've told them uh, because it's true. Um, so now we have this space. We have this audience. We have a way to show the parents and the caregivers there's a need for this in the community. Um, I, always, I always remember posting on Facebook thinking, I'm posting this on a Facebook tween teen page, but who am I posting it for? Most of the time it's for adults. And the reason it's for adults is because you've got to get the parents hooked. If the parents think the library is a groovy place, then they're going to be like, oh, kids, you should do this and like leave me alone. Um, <laughs> and then that happens, and it, you know, if the parents love you, everything good happens. You can't go wrong. You can give them blow torches, and they'll totally believe in you. And now they believe in Megan and I and they let us do crazy things with blowtorches and knives. Here's another view of the second floor. Um, The yellow wall in the back is where you come up. We're constantly shifting things around. Um, That's that's the beauty of taking like this maker space idea and not saying this back room is the maker space. That's the beauty of like taking the maker space and saying this whole library has books And it also has Makerspace stuff all around. So if you turn around right here, woo! Oh, I messed up. Um, If you turned around, like me taking the picture, you turn around, you're going to be in the arcade. But if you turn around again, that's going to be where the teen fiction collection and graphic novels are. So it's all woven together, so you can hop from area to area. This was a setup of, oh, this was maybe January. Come off the stairs, there's a photo booth. Our photo booth is an iPad, which is like a second-generation iPad, the old one. The old one—it's like one year old, right? Um, and we have uh, our a great maintenance staff. They built a they built a box that basically holds an iPad, and it looks really nice. It looks like a portable photo booth, so kids can come up and they can take selfies because kids, tweens, and teens are super vain and they love to see themselves. And if there's an iPad in a box, they will just. We go through like every hour and like. We we share them on our Instagram feed. We have a photo booth for the Instagram. We have an Instagram for the photo booth. Second floor photo booth is the username. And the kids can see themselves at the library. The parents love it because they're like, my kid's in the library. Look, I'm sharing this. Oh, my God, it's so cute. Um, So they touch and play with that. Then the next thing, they come over to this side. We have a button maker. If your library doesn't have a button maker, it's like the best $200 initial investment that you can spend because you're... Getting this cool tool that's not going to break, American button machines. I'm going to put in a plug for them. They're not paying me. But uh, they're really good. It's like really strong button machine. You buy the supplies, you give them like crappy old magazines and like library logos to cut out, make buttons of. They go out to their schools and their friends and their friends go, those are cool buttons. Where did you make them? The library. Viral marketing. That's how it happened for us and it's been really good. You start coming in, you get to the arcade, you get to the 3D printer, you get to the books. There's all these things that you can touch and play. We're not scared of letting the kids, tweens, and teens touch the 3D printer. It's just a machine like in the long run. It's a really stupid machine, honestly. It can heat up plastic. It can pull plastic through. It can do whatever the computer tells it to do. I once broke the 3D printer very, very badly. Um, I set it up so that I was going to try to print a bracelet for my wife. And I set it up so that it was actually printing the bracelet underneath the 3D printer. It was a total mistake that I made, a rookie mistake. And what turned out was the printer had got like completely covered in plastic. And it was like, oh, I just broke this. But it turns out I didn't break it. We took a hacksaw. We cut out that damaged part. We saved all the electronics. And we fixed it again. So now I have this chunk of plastic that has parts of a 3D printer in it. And when the kids, tweens, and teens come up, I'm like, this is what I did to this. Isn't that awesome? You won't do this because I did this, and I've learned, and I'll teach you now how to not do that. And they feel very liberated by the fact that there's an adult saying, you can do this. And they also feel very liberated that, you know, an adult totally screwed up and almost ruined something. They think that's so cool when you fail. So my last image had a 3D printer which sees nicely and to me talking about my next point, which is all about technology stuff. It's good to have it on your side. We have 55 Google Chromebooks. Uh, Google Chromebooks are awesome. They are cheap. They are $200 a piece. If you have kids that want to be on a computer, which I bet you do, and they want to watch YouTube, and they just want to stream Minecraft videos, a Google Chromebook is an easy way out. It is nice having 55 of these because we can yank 20 of of them away and say, we're going to do an Arduino class over here. We're going to yank ten more away and do an art project over here. Then everybody else can use them to surf the web. I love saying surf the web. Learning is fun. I think libraries are in this very unique position to support learning. Um, I don't know if it's here in Maryland, but the school system in Tennessee sucks. Um, I have no no worries about saying that. It's just very bad. The kids are falling through the cracks. They're dropping out left and right. They're coming out of school like never having touched a computer, which is kind of crazy this day and age. Um, the, f- the, first, uh, pers- the first teenager that I ran into that couldn't read was actually in Tennessee. I remember him coming in, being very into the arcade, being very into the 3D printer. And then, you know, we try to sell them on some certain books and such. But then he like sort of confided in me. Like, he's like, I'm not Really a good reader. He like had very basic reading levels, so that really made me think, like, oh my god, like the library can support learning. We can do it in a fun way. We don't have to do it in the standardized test way. So we created something called Dev Dev. Dev Dev is technology hackers speak for developing the developer. We partnered with few organizations, Engage Three D, who are just this three-person local nonprofit startup, you know, like twenty-something people. And they're like, we want to do these great things and we have an idea. And they were very enthusiastic. They, like, recognized the library as the community center. We brought them on board because they're great with education. We're great with providing space and making it fun. AIGA Chattanooga, American Institute of Graphic Artists, I think, they just happened to be on our fourth floor overhearing a conversation because they were doing their programs there. And they said, you know, if you're going to develop this code camp, this brand... Don't, like, make the logo in Microsoft paint like librarians do because you (laughs) you suck, (laughs) Um, which is so nice to hear because, like, I'm not a graphic artist. And then, so we have this nice team of community people in the library working together. How can we make this Code Camp work? We know what we need to teach them, but we need resources. We need tools. So we put together a grant package. This is a month after I got there. And we said, we want to create this thing called DevDev it's sort of like a startup business, but it's a library program, and it'll be part of the library, but it'll exist out of the library. We pitched it to all these places. You know, some people were like, "No way, that's crazy." Um, luckily, the Benwood Foundation said, "We are very committed to education in Chattanooga. Uh, we realize the schools aren't super great, and we're going to give you money to start up this sort of business within the library. That's not a business because you can't say that program thing." They started us off with a seed investment of $40,000. It was very nice. It was very generous. So with that money, we took half of it and said, we're going to set it aside so we can like have like sort of a business mentality about this. Operating costs, paying the instructors, keeping the program up and running. The other 20,000, that's how we bought the Google Chromebooks. Invested in infrastructure. It was a success. insane. We got so much press coverage. I just moved to Tennessee like a month before that, and then I was, I always remember, and this was one of the best moments in my life, I do not like Zoe Deschanal. I'm sorry. I just, there's something about her that grates my skin. Um, I'm sorry. I know everybody loves her. Dev Dev was on the front page of the newspaper a month after I got to Chattanooga. Me, all the educators, these kids working together, it was beautiful. And Zoe Deschanal was below the fold. And I was like, I win. Um, (laughs) So DevDev was a roaring success. The program was running. We had people calling up like, can my kid get in? Can my kid get in? No, it's only for 50 right now. This is sort of a startup idea. We have no idea how it's going to work. It worked beautifully. Four weeks, 50 kids. They learned HTML, CSS, Python, and robotics. Um, they had the basics. They weren't amazing programmers at the end of it, but they knew that they could take computers, make things, and make it work, and manipulate them to do what they wanted to do. That's Forrest. He really loved the robots. I like I like to put this there because he actually, I like the, um, that's his personal computer he brought. He was like, I don't need your Google Chromebook. I have a MacBook. Woo! <laughs> um, and he, he loved us so much that he put a DevDev Dev sticker on his MacBook. And I was like, holy crap, that's like that's love. So we had that. This is us at the end of DevDev. Dev. We all went up to the fourth floor to see the 3D printer because we didn't have one. So we put as many kids into the elevator as legally possible and took selfies. This is a good cross-section of the group that we had. Um, we're doing it again this summer. I'm very proud that like there's a lot of library programs that happen but then never happen again. Uh, with the money we set aside from DevDev, we are able to now offer 25. Um, we've we turned the camp around a little bit. We're still doing the same programs uh, that we did last year. We're replacing Python with JavaScript. We're trying to make it more of like a how to do a website kind of thing. And That's what the kids wanted. Um, so now we ha- we had to figure out how to make this model sustainable. So we have enough money to start offering scholarships to 25 students. So 25 students in the lower income areas in Chattanooga, they get to go to this camp for free. 25 other students, we were like, how can we charge for this program? It's like we didn't charge the first year but we got to make money because we got to keep this going. It's very popular. Um, we did all these economic things and cost, it compar- ah, drives me crazy. I don't, I don't know any of that stuff. We had like our business office help us out and we came down with the price of $250 for a four week code camp. We are actually the cheapest code camp in Chattanooga. And we thought we were going to get, like, people spitting at us and, like, how can you charge for a library program? But every comment we've had and every check that has been cashed so far, they're like, this is so cheap. Like, I can give you my kid three days a week and $250 a month? It's amazing. So we learned that, like, it's okay to charge people sometimes. It's okay to, you know, need money to support what you're doing made me feel like really good because, you know, libraries, free, that mindset, I was totally against this charging thing, but it worked out. And I think the moral is like just do it. Don't, don't be greedy. You know, we're making just enough money on this code camp now. Have it go next year and the next year and the next year. So this is the end of it because I think we should do Q&As. You are awesome. You are all awesome. You need to be a leader. Be a leader in your community, be a leader at your library because you are so unique and you are so great and stuff you're doing is the future. Um, making in libraries, it seems like everybody's like, oh, makerspaces, It's so great, oh my God. But children's and teen librarians, we've been making for years with duct tape, spit glue, popsicle sticks, cotton balls. We've been doing the Makerspace thing forever. Learning is fun, serve your community and you've got to have fun with your job. Fun is very important. When people see you smile, like, this is very Mr. Rogers of me, but when people see you smile, like, they smile back, and that's a good feeling to have. Ooh, wait, I think I skipped one. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been, like, really great uh, to be here. And I'm going to talk later, too. Um, We can always talk on the Internet. Oh, cool. I think, yeah, that's my end. I will answer any questions as best as I can. Questions?
0: I have an intimidating
1: microphone for anyone who would like to ask a question. Uh, Jim from Manorundal County Library. Uh, I was Hello, Jim? Just, I was just curious. Um, because I'm actually an arcade collector. I have machines at home and whatnot. And I know that those machines can be fairly high maintenance at times, and have a habit of breaking, especially the older stuff. So I was wondering what you guys do as far as uh, maintenance on that, and if that's been an issue. On the 3D printer? Or? No, with the Miss Pac-Man. Oh, the Ms. oh, goodness, yes. The Miss Pac-Man is a lot of maintenance. Um. Luckily, uh, in Chattanooga, we have a very geeky community. Um, I don't know if you know this about Chattanooga, but uh, we have the fastest internet in the United States. Um, I don't know what it is here in Baltimore. I'm going to guess like 15 to 50 megabits per second, which is awesome. Uh, We have one gigabit per second. So like, how do I translate that? That's like no buffering on YouTube or Netflix and it's so cool. And I can run Netflix on like four iPads at once, no problem. so we're lucky that we have a lot of geeky people. Um, that if the Miss Pac-Man machine, like, the joystick has broken many times. So we've gotten in touch with these geeky people because they've been attracted to the library because it's the ultimate geeky space. And we said, hey, while you're here, take a look at this. And then I'll be, like, peering over them or some other staff will. So we've just sort of learned through trial and error about the Miss Pac-Man. The joystick's been the biggest problem. And with the 3D printer, too, it's all... Um, we, for some reason, didn't buy Maker Care, Makerware Care, or whatever it's called. Um, that was sort of a mistake. I would recommend that you do that if you get a 3D printer. But it's also been awesome because now um, I'm not a hands-on person. Like, I'm really good at cutting the grass at home. I'm not good at building things. Um, but now I can fix a 3D printer because I totally screwed up a 3D printer. Then I had to do it because then I would have to tell my director I destroyed this. And I didn't want to do that. So I think uh, emp- empowering your staff even if like you're not good at it just showing them like giving them the time to take the 3D printer or the Miss Pac-Man or the computer away and play with it um that's really important. You might not fix it, you might need to go somewhere else, but you get there. Yes. Yes extremely popular. Um, I also find it to be like the the program, excuse me, that runs without the least amount of staff interaction which I think is good because we're all short staffed in libraries. Even at Chattanooga where we're lucky to have so much stuff that we have, we still have a bare bones staff. But we can set up the video games as like an arcade and invite people in to just sort of free play. Do you have the like the Wii and the Xbox 360, like the older models? I would recommend, um, and we just did this too, is wiping the slate clean. And if you can purchase the new video game systems, do it. Because um, we were finding that out too. Like People were getting tired of the Wii, because it's kind of crappy after a while. Um, so we bought the Wii U, which is amazing. It's got this big touchpad screen. You can play like five players at once. People were like, oh. Wow, amazing. And then we found funding for the Xbox 360, which was about $400. And you know, the kids like were like, "Oh my god, it's like a movie." And so that like restarted the the process. Now we can, you know, we'll I'll try to set aside enough money or ask for like a game every 2 months just to keep it fresh. Yes.
0: Um, I'll help answer that question. So cool. our library on the second Friday of every night does, or every month does retro gaming. So yes. we bring out the Atari and the Sega emulators, which were incredibly cheap, um, and we get uh, like thirty you know kids to come and just play these incredibly old games. Mm-hmm. They even play Guitar Hero, thinking that this is a retro game because this yeah. it's weird? it's over ten years old at this yeah. point, which is like more than twice. Or, you know, like twice their age. So um, so that's, I guess, one way to do it is to rebrand the games that you already have as being older retro games, and maybe that will just change their mind about them. Um, but I did have a question about the 3D oh, yes. printer that you guys have up on the fourth floor. When the teens want to use that, or when you program using the 3D printer, is this something that they can do on their own, or is there always like a staff member that has to be involved with using the three in other words mm-hmm. okay so what kind of cool things will you let them do on their own versus which ones require staffing
1: so if somebody comes up and says what's this 3d printer thing which is most people we have got our spiel down to like five minutes uh, it took us a while to get there um, what, what is a 3d printer what's well, this object that can make 3d objects that you build on the computer We found two great tools. We give them the option of designing what you want. Tinkercad.com, amazing website, not the most reliable. Sometimes it crashes, but I think they're working on it. Tinkercad.com basically makes all the shapes for you and you just connect them together to build something. Um, It can be, it's very basic. Like a lot of kids make their name and then they print it out and they're like, oh my God, it's amazing. Um, or we give them the option of, like, do you really not want to design something? Do you just want to download something and 3D printed just to see the machine work? And in that case, have you ever heard of Thingiverse? Thingiverse is, like, the greatest catalog of 3D printed objects in the world. Some people can make, like, the most amazing dragon, dungeon and dragon sculpture c- characters on there, and then they upload them and share them with everybody. So with a click of a button, you download the file. You tell the 3D printer to make them. Thingiverse. Thingiverse. Um, it's, it's a really great way to just sort of show people this 3D printer is awesome and totally sexy and cool and you can do neat things. Because they love sexy and cool. Um, but are they supervised all their our, So we, um, we supervise them for like the first five minutes. Just sort of walk them through the process on the computer. We show them how to set it up. We have them hit make it and then they go. So we've really tried to cut down staff time because we didn't want to become a 3D printing shop. Um, so, yeah. And getting back to your retro gaming thing, I'm, I carry my Nintendo 3DS everywhere I go because I love games. And I realized I was getting all these like people that came into the library saying, like, you know, because 3DS is they talk to each other when they meet each other. So all these kids are playing these Nintendo games. So we started up a Nintendo club. And I have... Um, so the basic point of Nintendo Club is to collect each other's information and play games together. But I started bringing in my old Nintendo games and kids were like, oh my God, like, that is ancient, which it's not. Thank you. Uh, Dan from Prince George's County Library. Cool. I uh, wanted to ask, uh, with regards to purchasing the, the technology, particularly 3D printers, did you have a lot of interaction with the manufacturer if there were problems, uh, or was it just a question that your staff was able to play around with it and figure it all out, uh, in lieu of getting any kind of formalized training or getting on the phone and talking to a tech person, tech support? Yeah, so a lot of the, um, a lot of the, if if we talk to Makerware or if we talk to Google about the things, it's like kind of going to be a major problem, like we're having trouble updating to the new firmware for the 3D printer, what do we do? But like on the basic troubleshooting, like we can't stick the plastic in, what's wrong? Um, We try to carve out staff time to say like, okay, you've got like your two hour like freedom to do whatever you want, but can you like look at this 3D printer, take it apart? You don't have to put it back together. And um, that's been really awesome to empower staff, especially because it's like there's me and Megan. Uh, we're totally the youngest by like 20 years and then there's everybody else that used to be there that like they love innovation, they love doing new things but they're sort of scared about it but um, telling them like you can't mess this up has been really like liberating for them. I can sort of see their minds being blown a little bit like you'll let me play at work? Wow. Um, sorry. <laughs>
0: what kind of Programming? Do you find works best when you have a really wide, a diverse age range of children?
1: Um, I think what works best in Chattanooga is definitely incorporating like making into everything that we do. So we do have this Nintendo Club where we just play games, but at the same time, I will like set out some paper origami, like make your own eight-bit action figures. Like it's very easy to find on the internet, like. A design where p- kids can cut out like the shape of a Mario character and tape it all together, and then they take something home with them. Or um, one of the times in the video game club, we gave them uh, origami paper again and said, "Make pixel art on the windows." Pixel art is actually—I'll show you an image of that. I think I have one. Ah. Okay, let's see. Oh, maybe I don't. Oh, okay. So, like, right here and then, oh, the, oh, okay, oh, cool. Yeah, so, pixel art is basically, like, taking shapes and building, like, a video game character out of it. So, there's always this element of making in the programs and creativity. And I, I find that that's, like, really, like, the common thing that connects everybody right now. I think come back up. <laughs>
0: Um hi, I'm Steph Long from Frederick County. Hello. Um, have you been doing anything with Raspberry Pi?
1: Yes. Um, we haven't like had any formal classes around a Raspberry Pi. But for the Dev Dev Code Camp, we took a Raspberry Pi because we needed a server to put all these kids' websites on. We didn't think about that, like it just happened. And um for one hour we taught the kids how to make a server out of a Raspberry Pi. We also have this um I found a a bear, a plastic bear jar in a closet when I got to Chattanooga. And this plastic bear jar used to hold graham crackers. And I remember as a kid I had this jar of wishes. You'd write something down on a piece of paper, put it in, and your wish would come true. Um, So I thought, like, we have all this space. I need to fill it up. So I did that same thing with the bear. I called it the awesome bear because I love the word awesome. And kids would drop their things in. So uh, discussing it with staff and some people in the community, kids, they were like, "It would be cool if this bear could talk, if this bear could tweet." And I love Twitter, so we um, had a program where we took the Raspberry Pi and we made it into a self-tweeting bear, which is kind of cool. You can follow it on Twitter. Awesome bear, cha! Um, and so kids now walk up to the bear, they type something in. We got one of those big uh, keyboards for the visually impaired because it looks. Awesome. And they hit the buttons and they make a bear tweet. So that's what we did with the Raspberry Pi. Yes, I think we'll go. Yes. My name is Dan I'm from Carroll County. And you have a very unique setup on the second floor. So our director said, um, you're public employees, you work with the public, I expect you to you know, have your time away a little bit but a majority of your time is with the public. Figure it out. Um, our response to that was like we're not at roving reference yet where we are all wandering around with iPads looking like we're in Star Trek. So um, librarians love this, their desks but how can you get away from that desk mentality? So we've sorta of set it up as like a clubhouse. We still have the desks. They're more like tables, but we just sort of pile all of our crap together and we hang out around this clubhouse area where we can, you know, spin around our chairs, hop onto each other's computers, we have toys there for everybody to play with. So it's more like a it's more like our home base. So is that out on the public floor then? That That's is. On the floor. I do not have an office. My office is on the public floor. Um, It's tough sometimes. You know, sometimes I do need to get away, Um, but it rarely happens because, I'm hired to work with these kids and teens, so I'm going to be there. Clubhouses. Yes? um, In Chattanooga, what was really good was targeting the parents, specifically the homeschooling groups in Chattanooga we found out that they felt sort of neglected by the old library administration. Like, you're sort of weird. Um, They're not. (laughs) My kids are homeschooled. Um, So we reached out to them, and through them, like they were like, oh, the library's showing interest in us. You guys are great. They became sort of like our vocal supporters in the community. And then we do have um, some staff that work well with the schools, so them spreading it out to the school teachers, they get it out really well. And um, social media, like is huge. Like nowadays um, you can put out a press release in the newspaper and nobody will see it really I think. But if you tweet something like we've had some amazing people come in just be like I saw that on Facebook this morning and I just decided to come. So it's, go where your community is and our community is on Facebook unfortunately. <laughs> I, I'm so tired of Facebook. Yes Um, so I did that once in New Jersey when I lived there. Um, it was a horrible nightmare. <laughs> um, well, and it was just basically because um, the building that I was in was a old concrete building that Wi-Fi did not work. And that was 2008, so that was sort of like it was sort of new to do online gaming. Um, that is something we're going to do here in Chattanooga, but um, with it, yeah. Oh goodness, yes. Um, Actually, like in the next few weeks, our uh, whole second floor is getting all new wireless routers. We're going with a company called AeroHive. I don't know much about them but I do know, okay, I'm getting a clap. (laughs) Um, I don't know much about them but I know our fourth floor has AeroHive wireless networks and it is like the most beautiful wireless experience I've ever experienced. Um, So once we have that in place, we'll finally have the ability to connect and actually do some online stuff. But I know the Ann Arbor District Library is like the kings and queens of online gaming in libraries. Uh, Eli Nyberger, who is an awesome dude, check him out if you have questions. Ann Arbor District Library, I think their Twitter handle is AADL. They're awesome. yeah so um the building is nineteen seven building what what was the nineteen seventy six the da, 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 the happiness in america thing um i forget bicentennial <laughs> yes i can think of words um, um our bu- building was built in nineteen seventy six with the like idea in mind that the future is the telephone like basically we have a lot of telephone <laughs> jacks everywhere um so uh we decided if we're gonna like Make this library modern. It's going to be a wireless library. So, um, we actually—I remember my first day. They gave me a drill and said, "There's a wireless. I mean, there's a there's a drop for the internet, like a plug. So here's a drill, and just drill a hole through the wall and pull your wire through." And I did. Uh, it was kind of neat. Got to use a drill. I don't use drills often. Yeah. Yes. Yes, a smaller system. Yeah, so we have four. Um, so, so originally they just came to us, and they originally just came to the fourth floor. But then we were like, "crap, we got to spread the love." Um, so we have adopted this idea that the fourth floor and the second floor are our beta testing spaces and libraries. There are the library concept center, I guess, where we're going to try the crazy things and see how they work and fine tune, iron out the details. And then we can finally say like after three months, yes, the button maker is a thing that works. Every branch should have one. So we just unveiled, we just started summer reading, learning, whatever it's called anymore. I don't know. Um, But we just unveiled that. And with the unveiling of that, we finally got to put button makers, some 3D printers and, like, some gaming systems out to the branches. So we're finally starting to see, like, all of our work that happened on the second floor gets spread around and now the branches are getting, like, a lot of love, which is cool. Um, I just checked on how many people have signed up for the summer program and, like, the branches are beating us. And, like, I was like, that's awesome. Like, because people are going there now. Uh, before it was, like, highly lopsided. They, um, yeah, they have, like, their own teen, if it's not a teen librarian, it's, like, a teen specialist, somebody that, like, basically, like, we were, like, can you, which which one of you can tolerate teens the best? Let's, like, which one to use the coolest? And, you know, it was very apparent, and we plucked them out, and, um, so, um, we have a youth services coordinator. She's really good at, like, the manager side, and she lets me be the freaky creator guy, um, which is cool, so we worked well together. We developed these ideas on the second floor and then pushed them out. We also work with the fourth floor who, like, they're like the cutting edge of everything. They get the weird things in and they fine-tune it for a lot of months before even sending it to us. So it's kind of it's neat to have these spaces that play a lot and then share. So, yeah. Yes? So um, our biggest trouble with the second floor, the, the idea is if you're 0 to 18, you can be up there. If you're above 10, you can be there without an adult. If you're an adult, your ticket to get on is your kid or the person you're watching. Um, so, that's, so the the biggest thing we've had is like adults coming up and being like, well, why can't I use this? Like, I want to play video games. Like... The adults that use the library are our age now and they grew up with video games and they want to play with 3D printers. So we have a lot of adults come up and say, why can't I stay here? Um, you know, you'll every once in a while in the South, it's always an older uh, male who comes up and is like, this isn't a damn library. This is a fun zone. Like, that's <laughs> once every six months. And we urge that guy to fill out a comment card, which we have. Our director actually responds to every comment card, which is a beautiful thing. Um, And she deals with it. She's awesome at, like, you know, getting that guy and saying, listen, this is how we're doing it. You're either part of it or you're not. And um, she always connects it to what they're interested in. Like, they're usually interested in, like, the book. So my argument is always, like, sure, we've got the video game right you know there but then the video game books are right next to them the comic books are right next to them that's like an easy like so but most people just complain that they can't play the Wii U like sorry dude you're 19
0: all right I think that's about it can we please give some applause to Justin
1: I'm here all day thank
0: you